Hey everyone, and welcome back to another week at the HLP. If you missed our Gen Con 2021 live stream on the official Paizo Twitch channel, you can watch it on our YouTube. It's on our YouTube as It's Always Frosty and Irison. It was myself, Chris, Steve, and Emily from Southern Tom Foolery, led by Griffin, playing the Pathfinder 2E scenario from Season 2, Number 8, A Frosty Mug. It was an absolute blast. We all dressed up for it. We spent a lot of time on it and worked really hard. So if you have not gotten a chance to watch it, then go check it out on our YouTube. That is what I have for this week. So I will welcome you into episode 163, Rook, You Like a Hurricane. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Hideous Laughter Podcast, episode 163. And is back. Hey, what about that? And Tuli is back. Yeah. It's a great time. Yeah. Speaking of a great time, what are you drinking, dude? Oh, uh, thanks, Griff. I'm drinking a Hawks Apple Heist. Uh, and Emily was uh, very kind and is uh, sharing. I'm not a huge fan, but only because I'm not a huge fan of ciders. So it's my fault for for drinking it but uh it, it is quite sour quite crisp it's a it's a fall fall like drink i think it's a good warm-up for for uh what's to come all right well speaking of someone who's had a whole episode to warm up hey steve i've just been chilling <laughs> what man are you drinking bud all you right patreon beverage right yes patreon beverage this week and man i was a bad boy this week so you guys delivered um, did they did they though We'll see. This drink is called Haste. It is three ounces of almond milk, half an ounce of vanilla vodka, an ounce and a half of screwball, which we subbed in Tennessee peanut butter whiskey, basically the same thing, I believe. Then we've got a little bit of a foamy float on top of that. We're looking at two tablespoons of instant coffee, two tablespoons of sugar, an ounce of screwball. Again, that was also substituted and half an ounce of water. This comes from Bipolar Pop-Tart, good friend of the show. I am going to go ahead and give this a taste. Have you had Dalgonia coffee before? No. That's what this is. It's alcoholic Dalgonia coffee. All right. So here's the deal. I'm about to break some hearts here. I have not ever and do not like peanut butter. I also have not ever and do not like whiskey. This is pretty good. I feel you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Unlike the peanut yeah. butter and whiskey. So this is what Dalgonia coffee is supposed to look like, which is pretty similar. Okay, sure. Yeah. Good um, approximation. It, uh, that's, yeah, that's easy drinking. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's Ooh. Dalgonia coffee is that coffee mm. froth, which Thank is. You. The froth is particularly yeah. good on that. It's. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's, I, w- I would drink that just, yeah, outside of this. It's yeah. It's pretty bitter, but it's good. I like it. I'm surprised you like it if you don't like peanut butter. Like that's a pretty yeah. big shot of peanut butter to my face, but Oh, that's very good. I love it. It reminds wow. me of my uh my early pandemic days of screwball and black coffee. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quite yep. a combo. This is that's delicious. We actually 
early pandemic too, when you had Screwball, I wish we would have known about this drink because we were making the Dalgonia coffee since that was a big trend, like early pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we were making them and we had Screwball, but we never made this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, end of August, the, the studio is nice and hot and humid. So I'm going to be drinking some of this instant coffee to get me sweating a little bit more. This is perfect. <laughs> But the drink it's cold. The, it's nice and cold. The drink is actually legitimately good. So, uh, one of the rare bipolar pop tart ones that aren't just a punch to the face. That's true. Yeah, Emily, what you got over there? I am drinking the same as Brooks, the Hawks Apple Heist. I actually really like it because it is sour and very crisp, and that's what I love in a drink. So it's perfect for me. Speaking of perfect for me, hey, Haley, what are you drinking? Oh, wow. That was so much nicer than last time, except the way you fucking said it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I am drinking a strawberry. Like, well. Nice. As for myself, I'm drinking a a yingling. Just a classic. Just regular yingling. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So, when last we met our heroes. No, I guess you guys have to roll off. (laughs) Sorry, I don't care about that because I... I'm not winning. So. Yeah, the important people on the show are done. Yeah. Using my Lyra dice again. You got the real, uh, real B-plus team here, Roland. 18. 16. No. <laughs> King of Wolves, my ass. <laughs> All right, girls are going off next time. Mm-hmm. For the championship. Yeah. Luckily, we still won't have a chalice for whoever wins that. Ooh. That's not lucky. I, w- I wouldn't mind being the first person. You don't get a chalice. You don't get to use a chalice. I guess this would be the only time you get to use the chalice. What do you mean? Before we all taint it with uh, gluten. I mean, we can wash it, right? No, we can't. Nope, no. can't that's, do it. That's nope. actually part of the rules stipulated. No, remember the, we said we'd wash it. We, we said we wash it, it after, every, after every person. Right before I need it, we would wash it, and then no one washes it again. <laughs> and so everybody mm. will want to be right after me. The only part I remember of that is nobody washes it ever again. Uh-uh. Oh, interesting. Seems right to me. But when last we met our heroes, they they traveled towards Caliphas, received a letter from Ikmer, then received a um, unexpected visit from Tulia and Jimbirium. Jimbirium was in a lot of pain. Tulia and Lyra teamed up to go find Ikmer, who then um, realized that their their quests were the same to head to a place called Moon Isle. None of them know where that is. So they attempted to teleport to Anya with disastrous results. Yeah. And now they are in the Mwangi jungle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So as soon as we arrive, Tulia's going to just prepare the rest of her spell slots for defensive items and get ready to hunker down for the night. As she'll make sure everybody knows, we ain't going anywhere else tonight. Y'all better get comfy. Yeah, so I'm going to need a survival check to see if you guys can uh, actually make shelter in... The middle of this rainforest. Anyone have survival? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> it's a 17 on the die, bringing that to a 27. Yeah, with a 27, you're not only able to locate and trap some food, but you're also able to create a shelter that is raised a couple feet off of the ground. You know that... Uh, camping on the ground in a jungle like this would probably be a death sentence because you'd get basically devoured by the insects here. So you, uh, Tulia, Tulia doesn't want to stay out, uh, outside. She 
is prepping, as she's prepping spells, she's watching the shelter be put up, and it's not exactly something she's interested in. So she will prep Mirror Hideaway. I will essentially transform the mirror that I have in my backpack into a portal into an extra dimensional space. It can hold eight medium creatures. And uh, once they once those creatures en- enter the space, they're totally hidden and beyond the reach of any sort of spells or anything. And what level spell is this? A level two. Wow. I know, right? Uh, if <laughs> if the mirror gets covered, as in it gets placed face down or anything, the portal is technically inactive, and so no one else can enter. If it's broken or moved more than five feet, then it then spell ends and everyone gets cast out. Cool. So Igmer puts a lot of effort into a <laughs> shelter that then you just say, hop into my mirror. Please. Uh, but, but thank you for building the shelter for the mirror. I appreciate it, but no thank you. And she will also go ahead and just in case we get cast out, she's going to cast Endure Elements on everybody, which is another level two spell. And so that we are good to go and we'll be... In case we do get cast out, we'll at least have some protection as we immediately are back. Lear, you've been out of the water for a long time. She has. She was really hoping that we would end up in the ocean, or at least very close to it. So she's not in the water, but she does have damp mist that kind of billows around her at all times, emanating from... Uh, the cloak that she is wearing. So it treats the wearer as being submerged in water for the purposes of racial water dependency. Yeah, so how about salt water? So it it doesn't specify salt water. Mm-hmm. Lyra feels the draw to salt water specifically, not just water of any kind. Is it like a daily thing? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh it is a daily thing. Oh how how mad would you guys be if I flooded the uh, a small part of the just just flood shelter? my the shelter that I made? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making this bathtub for me, Dickford. Um, let me at least take the firewood out. <laughs> maybe maybe like a small piece of wood to float the mirror on the water. <laughs> yeah, so it's you not two a- get in, and Lyra spends an hour. <laughs> in the flooded uh, shelter. And then hops in. And then hops into the mirror. And anyone who walks by, they just see a shelter with a mirror in it. <laughs> like, that's the sh- that's it. Yeah. Uh, well, well, this shit's certainly cursed. Not gonna touch <laughs> it. Exactly. <laughs> For the record, uh, anyone that walks by is, uh, you are like 300 miles into the jungle. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Anything. You're like in the center that's of the why, jungle. That's why even more is it, oh shit, this is cursed. <laughs> If you die tonight, so does the rest of the party. <laughs> I mean, we're not getting out of here. Indiana Jones dreams of a place like that. Yeah. Anyone else? No way. Um. So I assume you can't even keep watch in this little demi plane. So no. um, I didn't think there was a huge need. So you all just kind of sleep, relaxed, and that lasts for eight hours or an hour per level or something. It lasts eleven hours. Okay. Plenty. Yep, 11 yep. hours, and if we really needed any more, I could make it last longer, but... Alright, so morning comes, uh, the shelter is relatively undisturbed, you would have to scry again. I know. Because ships move. Yep. 
Let me let me reprep all my stuff. Lyra's gonna chill in the water some more while you're another crying. hour, perhaps. Perhaps an hour of time that you would chill in that salt water. Yes, while she's preparing her spells, she'll chill well, in the salt water. You're gonna I need mean, like a basin. It takes a, me. Uh, it takes I, me 15 minutes to prep every single spell I have in, um, or minimum of a minute so i would think just to prep scrying and teleport and i'm gonna prep two teleports this time i would say it's not gonna last an hour so. well the scrying takes oh the scrying an hour, an hour so yeah. lyra has time to do her all right daily soak so i prep two teleports all right let's see if the scrying works oh no you're not under the effects of endure elements yet still you're gonna need another scry dear <sighs> okay you realize that fails yep I will. On the die. I can't scry until tomorrow. So, can Lyra scry and describe the location to you? Attempt, because Lyra can attempt it. That will be be con- considered, I believe, viewed once, which is the same as scrying. If you can describe it very, very well, that's the Lyra's best I can with do. Words. Sure. Let's see if you can scry. Looks like a ship. Looks like they're in the ocean. You succeed the scry. Yes. It's raining now. And you hear thunderclaps. The wind looks rough. Uh, the ship is certainly bobbing. The crew looks a little bit more frantic. Yeah. If we were to say teleport in the water, I mean, won't be What's great wrong? to do that. Like, it, well, it'll be difficult to so. seize. I have something that can help with that. I can give you touch of the sea. And then you'll be much better at swimming. Yeah, and Tulia's cloak's going to grab the staff of her back, and she'll cast monkey fish on herself. All right, so I guess she'll cast Touch of the Sea just on Ikmer then. Okay. Give me a teleport. Open for low. I'm open for on the table. (laughs) 67, which is great because... 76 gets iffy, but 67's fine. 67's still good. Let's go. We land on the boat. You arrive to Anya Savarine shouting orders to the crew as the ship bobs, and you see to starboard this immense storm that covers the horizon. You appear in a flash and many of the crew quickly upon noticing you draw cutlasses and through the rain Anya shouts out who goes there it's me Ikmer uh, and we have uh, m- I-, I brought help for your journey you scallywag I was expecting to meet you in Sargava how in the hells did you manage to appear on the backbreaker? Well, uh, meet my uh, newly acquired, almost best friend. You know who number one is, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Tulia, this is Anya. She is the well-deserving leader of the Devil Wolves. And when a fellow... Lycanthrope uh, asks for help. Uh, the prince's wolves and rest of the packs are willing to help, but uh, unfortunately, I was the only one. 
What does it say about your leadership? I sent the letter to you, Hickmer. I wasn't really expecting more than just you. And that makes sense. I I didn't want to make it sound bad. Everything is great at home, I promise. The extra help is certainly welcome. And uh, As you can see, we're, we're in a bit of a bind. Yes, I am Anya Savarine. Um, I assume you with the magical robes, Artulia, that he's talking about, and who are you? My name is Lyra. It's a pleasure to meet you. And she curtsies and her skirt just kind of billows out around her. Howdy, Anya. I hope I'm dressed for the occasion as she adjusts her eye patch that has a skull and crossbones <laughs> literally on the eye patch itself. Bit gaudy, but sure. <laughs> Lyra's an old friend of mine and uh, brought, well, we have a history, uh, number one. She's got scales for uh, scales on her legs, or one leg, but... Lyra uh, jumps in and interrupts Ikmer. I am well acquainted to life at sea. Well, good. We could use somebody of your talents then. Why don't we talk further out of the rain? Uh... Mr. Godfeather, please keep us on course. And you see a brightly colored Tengu, uh, looks like a parrot. That's amazing. Is yes. is currently piloting the backbreaker. Okay, Miss Savarine. We'll keep her on course as much as we can. And she calls out to a drow man who is uh, kind of hastily covering the, uh, looks like, cannonballs, but maybe more alchemical than that, uh, covering them with a tarp to keep them out of the rain. Mr. Rook, please um, please join us uh, below deck. Uh, we have much to discuss. Aye, aye, Captain. And you head below deck of this warship. Steve, what does the party see? Yeah, sure. So... We've described a male drow. He's about five foot ten, and he has these white, opaque eyes and this white, shaggy hair that hangs just about at his pointed ears. He's got purple skin, and he's wearing this... It's damp from the rain, but he has this flexible armor bodysuit that seems to be made of fibers or, upon closer inspection, maybe some sort of spider silk. Um, over which he wears this olive drab army jacket. If you're picturing this in your head, think maybe like American Vietnam War style army jacket. But any indication of rank has been torn off. There's big tears on the shoulders of this jacket. Uh, Besides that, over his shoulder, he carries this wicked looking black bow and crisscrossing his chest are bandoliers of vials, flasks, and these like ceramic pots. I cast this character as actor Diego Luna from Narcos Mexico and Star Wars Rogue One. All right. So you gather below deck in an ornate captain's quarters that Anya has kind of set up to be comfortable, uh, yet practical. There are maps of... The, this side of Garund set up, as well as maps of the shackles, and she would explain... Well, I'm not sure why any of you but Ikmer uh, and, and Mr. Rook here are have 
joined me, but I do want to state the the purpose of this expedition. My late husband, Sawyer Saverine, who uh, Ikmer knew well, uh, has a connection or had a connection to an island in the shackles that I haven't been able to pinpoint called Moon Isle. I've been there once, but I wasn't all there when I arrived, and (laughs) up until recently, I wasn't much of a sailor. So our journey was going to take us to Sargava to meet up with Ikmer. However, we we won't have to be going that far south. Uh, We can go straight to the shackles from here. The unfortunate part of that is that you've all, um, as Durin can attest, um, you, you've all arrived at, uh, at a time where we are attempting to uh, skirt the Eye of Abendago, a pretty powerful storm. But it's the only way from uh, the sodden lands to the shackles and... Uh, a vire a bit further north than that. So we've had to um, we've had to do our best and we've picked up well a somewhat seasoned first mate uh, he, he insisted on being called the first mate uh, Mr. Godfeather uh, as you maybe saw manning the helm has promised me that he can get us as far as the shackles. Apparently, he was once a Shackles pirate of some renown. I wouldn't know, but I'm crossing my fingers for it. Once we arrive in the Shackles, though, we're going to have to figure out where to find this Moon Isle. I think our first order of business is getting through the Eye of Abendago. But after that, I've heard stories. One of the free captains, the captain of the Blood Moon as his ship is called, is uh, is named Avamar Sorinash. And I think he'll be sympathetic to our cause, because he's the only pirate in the shackles, with a crew can entirely consisting of lycanthropes. Think if we head to Shark Isle and are able to parlay with this captain... Maybe he can give us some answers, or at least point us in the right direction. I'm certainly not opposed to meeting more lycanthrope. I would love to request their their help in this and, and gain great friends in the process. Well, Igmar, that's why I specifically asked that you would join me, because the Prince of Wolves is not just a Nustalavan thing. It is at least respected by lycanthropes across Galarian, and I think you'll be our foot in the door. And I am happy to, well, meet and get acquainted with uh, with these lycanthropes. I, I would love the experience, and more the merrier. Well, I, I am getting ahead of myself. Uh, I'd like to introduce the three of you to Mr. Durin Rook. He is our gunnery sergeant, as it were, on the ship. Um, he controls all of the weapons and the armory, as well as helps enhance our 
more ship-to-ship combat weapons. Tulia is incredibly interested and uh, focused in uh, at the word of enhancement, in control of weaponry, and crafting of any sort. Sure. Uh, Lyra, you recognize this man. Oh. Oh. Mainly because he is a drow and his appearance has not changed in the 10 or 15 years since you've seen him. He knew your father, although you don't really know or remember much about him, but you've seen him before. And he's through this entire conversation, he's kind of been standing off to the side, to the back, water dripping from his hair. His arms are crossed over his chest, basically just deferring the floor to Captain Savarine and listening and offering support. So when she does mention his name, he nods his head. It has been a very difficult journey. We have been beset upon by marauders. The seas rise against us, and we are pretty undercrewed. We could use any bodies. You three all appear to be somewhat capable, I hope. At least you have the magics to teleport right here. We could use your help. Uh, Tulia would step forward a little bit. She'd be like, she would introduce herself. Uh, my name is Tulia. I'm, I'm the magic user here. Uh, well, Lear's got magic too, but I'm, I'm the one who teleported. My usage, my expertise really lie in magical items, magic, and uh, crafting clothing. I, I don't know how much use I'll be here, but I do got a lot of spells and a lot of, a lot of very surprising items. I'll tell you, this eye patch ain't just for decoration. <laughs> There's more than that. Yes, we could use someone of your talents. Though I do say... You do not seem to be adversarial to me. I have met many of your kind, though we are ancestral cousins. The elves do not look fondly upon me, at least those I've met. That might be because I haven't been in the material plane for a solid hundred years until now, so I'm not quite as biased. And he, and this, he gets like a little bit of a half smile at this. And I have never met my people, so... It appears that there is no ancestral conflict between the two of us after all. I was worried seeing a full-blooded elf coming here that it might come to conflict. No, you're just a little shorter than I thought you'd be. <laughs> Got I'm, him. I'm 6'1". Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Well, um, yeah, I am actually as uh, tall as Diego Luna is in real life. So. Yeah. Because I looked that up like a creep. Of course you did. Yeah, of course. The only reason I'm a little lighter than he is uh, on Google is because uh, Hero Lab wouldn't let me be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tulia, it is good to meet you then. And the other two? Lyra speaks up at this point. I am also a magic user, as Tulia mentioned. But my focus is more on healing and summoning other creatures to aid me. Ah, yes. Well, if you can summon some gunners, I could certainly use their assistance. I have never summoned something like that before. But there's no reason why I couldn't try. I'm sure I could manage something with a great deal of strength or ability to swim. And your name? He, he wasn't around when you guys did introduce yourselves up above decks. My name is Lyra. It's a pleasure to meet you. Although, you look... 
awfully familiar. I've seen you before. Lyra, it would have been a long time indeed. It would not be Lyra Undiomede, would it? I do not often go by that name, but yes, did you know my father? And at this, his, his spine straightens quite a bit. Your father and I had a very complicated relationship. A generally favorable one, but one with lots of history. I knew you as a very young girl, though you are very different now. I have experienced a lot of life and death at this point. I am not the same girl. And I'm sure you are not the same man, although you look as though you haven't aged a day. Well, perhaps one of us has changed much more than the other. And you, my friend. He's looking at, at Ikmer. It's a pleasure to meet you. Ikmer, uh, Prince of Wolves. <laughs> Prince of Wolves in your service. Any friend of Anya's is a friend of mine. Uh, I think it's very noble of you to come along on this journey and help Anya. It's reassuring to know that she's had a friend. I don't have uh, much in terms of magic ability, but my my sword and uh, shield are always uh, at your service for anything that may uh, board us un unfavorably. Yes, I, I owe the Lady Savarine quite a bit. Is that right? Yes. That is right. Well, when we get by this storm, I would love to chat more about that. That's the very interesting. She and I have, uh, well, a lot. Uh, I think he's trying to say he's been through a lot with her. We shall see. We shall see. I was reticent to reach out to an orc for help. But any port in a storm, they say, on the high seas. <laughs> That's, that might have been uh, the old ways, but there is... No reason for us to uh, take up fight with any person that, or anything that isn't uh, threatening us, so... We shall see if you prove yourself to be the Prince of Wolves you say you are. Anya would chime in here. He doesn't need to do any more proving. Although, you may not know Ikmer, as I do. Myself and my wolves are... At your disposal, Ikmer. Although I thank you for heeding the call and joining us. We'll need you more than you know. Of course. And uh, I am happy to help. And this might be a good time. Ikmer uh, kind of shakes off the, the water off of his armor and the... Uh, or I imagine, I guess, the droplets actually... A little bit farther out than the the armor that what everyone would see as uh, he's got he's got some celestial armor now and so it's it's much more put together a lot less beat up than it was was previously and then he's also got more of a full thick beard now uh, quite short but strong jawline to go along with his uh, pretty shaggy hair. 
Uh, we'll have to see. After several weeks at sea, it might be... Uh, it might get a little overgrown. It might be brown beard. <laughs> might be gray beard. <laughs> um, at this, you hear a squawk and a... Hard to starboard! Hard to starboard! Captain! Captain, we need help up here! And then you hear, like, faintly from above deck, Yes! Grab the mainsail. And the wolves are springing to action here. Durin looks to Tulia and Lyra. You would not believe the help that I have to deal with. So, uh, upon resurfacing, the water looks lighter, and the first mate would turn to all of you, Bertram Godfeather, at your service. Uh, you can call me Birdie. Listen, we're heading into shallow water, skirting the eye, and we're going to need... Well, we're going to need some some navigating. Nobody's ever made a map that can keep up with the shrouds. There are these sandbars that show up when the when the tides move and the, the weather changes patterns around the eye. It's getting shallow, I can already tell. And if we run aground, that'll be it for us. The waves and the wind will blow us over. If you're powerful at all, you better come help. And at this, the ship, you feel a slight scraping on the bottom of the hull, and the whole thing groans all 200 feet of this huge warship. And you just barely crest over the first sandbar. So there are several things you can do to navigate this area. Uh, survival check would allow you to uh, navigate if you have knowledge local or knowledge geography. You'd gain a plus two bonus on that survival check. If you have a fly speed or a swim speed and are able to get it up higher than 50 feet, you can hop from the deck and scout ahead underwater or uh, from the sky and use perception instead. But basically, you're going to be relaying information to Anya and uh, First Mate Godfeather to avoid these sandbars. So what do you guys want to do? That is an easy choice for Lyra. She is ready to hop right in the water. So she's going to take her backpack off and get ready to jump right in. She already has a swim speed. What's your okay. swim speed, though? 30 feet. That's not fast enough. Yeah, so you'd have to get like haste or something cast on. Yes. You. Oh, okay. So don't don't leave yet. Well, she's she's getting ready. She has. <laughs> don't leave yet. We need someone in the water. Lyra just dives off the side. <laughs> the boat just keeps going, and she's just like trailing behind. T- Tulia is going to uh, use up one of her arcane reservoir to increase the caster level by two for haste, so that it's fourteen rounds instead of oh not fourteen thirteen rounds instead of eleven. And then she's going to use another one of her arcane reservoir and specifically touch Lyra. And she's going to increase that duration by 50%. So you have 
19 rounds of haste. Awesome. And everyone else has 13 rounds. And then after that, she'll cast fly on herself. Okay. Yeah, th this is, Griff, this is definitely going to determine what I end up doing here. Does this appear to be something we need to solve in the very, very short, immediate term where rounds per level is okay? Or do we need to guide this thing through sandbars for like 30 minutes? Um, in essence, you're going to be, you're going to need to guide it for a little ways. However, that speed boost could allow you to scout ahead, hmm. making you fast enough. The, the reference to a 50-foot speed is really, like, so that you can get ahead of the ship enough that you can then scout. Because you're, you're using the wind, so the ship is only moving 30 feet. So as long as you can be ahead of it, you can then, you know, use the scout action with perception. Otherwise... Uh, I, I I would basically say like if you're using a spell that's gonna like if you're gonna use guidance like that's not gonna work. Sure. So so what Durin is going to do then is he's going to look down at these bandoliers that are crisscrossing his chest of different alchemical reagents and stuff and find one looks like a test tube that has a cork in the end and maybe there's like a little piece uh, there, there's like a little piece of a tentacle in it that looks like. Maybe it was cut off a squid or something. It's floating in this light green liquid, and he shakes it up, and it starts foaming inside. He pops the cork off, slugs it back, swallows that little tentacle, and casts... And that that is an extract, or... It's like the uh, the tequila worm. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Gross. A little bit. And so that is an extract of Touch of the Sea, and with haste, that's going to get him where he needs to go. So he he also dives off the side of the of the ship and is able to scout ahead. I will as say, well. touch, how long does Touch of the Sea last? That's minutes that's, per level. Okay, I, I'll say that's fine. So like eleven minutes of Touch of the Sea is fine to scout through here. Uh, just like fly is what. Minutes. It's, a minute, it's, minutes it's per a level. minute per caster level or yep. per level. Uh, so I'll say those are fine. If it was going to be rounds per level or something, then that swim is probably not good because like. Lyra's fine, because she can always swim. But. And that's why I asked, like, what should I be doing yeah. here? I try to help her as best I can, but it's only limited. I assume Ikmer's going to make a survival. Yes. Uh, he is going to uh, call out to Godfrey. Uh, Godfrey, uh, what do you need me to call out from the air? So he uh, can activate his uh, celestial armor and fly, but gonna just use survival, not perception, because uh, perception is, well, we all left it. Well, at here's a really what I'm gonna do then. State. I'm gonna give you a bonus to your survival because survival is the harder check. Okay. So I'm gonna give you you a bonus to basically make that an even check, because you're flying and using the survival. But he would call out to you. Just, uh, I just need to know the, the sandbars. Just, if you point them out, Porter Starboard, I need a passage through. Will do. And he, uh, flies up and... So I think, I think Ikmer is more like flying as high as he can and getting, like, a vantage point on everything, whereas... The three of you are more like trying to actually follow the ship's charted course and call out sandbars from there. So why don't you each give me a um, 
perception or in Ickmer's case, survival. And it's only if we have five ranks in those others? Yes. Geography or local uh, will give you a plus two on this roll. Well, I needed it because I rolled really terribly. That's going to be a 22 total for Durin Rook. Okay. 31. Okay. 26. Okay. 24. Okay. So the four of you are able to collaborate and, uh, and navigate past the largest of sandbars. I'm going to roll Anya and Birdie's pilot, or uh, not piloting, I'm thinking Starfinder, uh, profession yes. sailor checks. All right. Ooh. <laughs> Anya's got a 37. Oh, yeah. I was going to say I could try to aid uh, in my next round, but that clearly... And I mean, Birdie's got a 25, yeah. so, um, so with those, you're actually able to make haste through these sandbars with the four of you guiding. The storm appears to be getting worse. It seems that you're not in the eye of Abendego. You haven't hit the edge of it yet, but these residual storms on the side are causing massive waves and they're causing a downpour and it's making it more and more difficult to see. You get through the sandbar, everybody returns to the ship. The way we're skirting, there's more than sandbars that are gonna be an issue. If we hit a sandbar, maybe we're stuck for a while, but hitting a reef might sink us. Now, these are mapped. If you can figure out where we are, it'll give us an advantage getting through. And so here there are reefs. And this is where it gets a little difficult. So you can give everybody a bonus by using a knowledge geography check on the maps that Anya has. So if one of you has knowledge geography and wants to roll on that, that will give everyone else a bonus to their rolls. I have knowledge geography. As do I. It's not great. I've got a plus eight. I have 14. There you go. I have a plus one. So can I try to aid the mm-hmm. check? So, okay. so those of you aiding, you all like kind of head below deck. First mate Godfeather tries to like slow the ship as much as he can before you head into this kind of refilled territory. Uh, Dern Rook is going to try and aid Tulia. And there's only one number I could roll that would fail an aid at a plus eight. It's a natural one, which I rolled. Lyra also does not aid. Wow. I did not roll well. Um, I got a seven, that is, so 21. DC was 20. Oh, oh God. God. So everybody gets a plus two here. Oh, shit. This is a game of spotting the reef with enough time for your captain and first mate to steer the ship out of danger. You'll get another plus two by climbing into the crow's nest. However, in these waters, that is a tricky situation without another casting of fly. Lyra, 
you have a plus two to all your perception checks because you can see through water and it is downpouring. Awesome. So that would be a cumulative plus four? Yes, okay. it would. So would Lyra be the best person to go up into the... I don't know how Lyra's base perception is. Uh, her base perception is only an eight and she cannot fly. Yeah, but I could give you monkey fish and you'll have a climb speed. Okay. But, uh, but I yeah. have a plus 13 perception. and So you would be better and then you get the plus two. Anyone else? I, I have a plus 17 that would get me to with the 19 total. Okay, so you're definitely better. Yes. Um, how that monkey fish looking? Would you like monkey fish? To like hang on? Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I will uh, cast... I'll, I'll pull out my staff again and cast monkey fish. Oh, that looks so fucking dope. Look at that. We are already becoming fast friends. <laughs> and uh, Duran Rook scampers up through the rigging up to the crow's nest. And he's clinging to the mast. Would you like a perception check now, Griff? No. Or? I'll let you know. I just want to let you know. Okay. Scamper up is maybe a rough term for this because we right. only have a 10-foot climb speed. <laughs> well, he scampers slowly. <laughs> he, he scampers for 30 seconds up and he gets to the top. Um, yes, I would like perception checks. Okay. You, you don't have to be in the crow's nest to make them, but it does give you um, a plus two when you're up there. So you have a total plus four. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay, I think I, think I got this then. With the plus two from the map reading and the plus two from being up in the crow's nest, I'm looking at a 34. Okay, 34. You are able to spot a reef that is 290 feet away. It is a DC 5 plus 10 feet for every one you beat that DC. Oh, that's so, interesting. 290 feet because 29 is how much you beat the DC-5 by. So here's the deal. You give the captain and the first mate enough warning that they have 290 feet to alter course. Moving at um, full speed, especially in this, these winds, gets the ship to a 90-foot speed. So we're going to operate off of a 90-foot per round speed for the duration of this. So 290 feet would be three and a third rounds of notice, which reduces the DC. So if a reef is spotted at a distance of the ship's speed, it has a certain DC. This is three times the ship's speed, so I do have to make a check, but it is way easier. Now, if you spot something at four times the ship's speed, I don't even have to make a check. I can just avert. Sure. Done a nice job. Okay, so, uh, yeah, with the 32, we are perfectly fine. First mate Godfeather just kind of, you know, drifts the ship. And you're able to avoid the first reef. I'm going to need another one now. Another perception? Mm-hmm. Do I have the same bonuses as before? If, as long as you're up in the crow's nest. Oh, sweet. I just got a natural 20 for a 33. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a little lower than a natural 20, but with my bonuses, I'm probably going to push a little further than that. Probably. I only have plus 13, and you have much higher. 36. Okay. Nice. 
So that sounds to me like 310 feet. Wait, it's 38. I'm sorry. 38. 38. Sounds to me like 330 feet, which is three and a half times the ship's speed. I assume nobody broke that. No. No. Okay. Good to go with the 27. So you miss the next reef. Let's get another roll. Right. Natural one, follow up that natural 20. (laughs) Wheel and woe there. I'm still in the double digits. Let me do my math real quick. That is going to be 34. Okay, 34, so that's another... 290. 290. I assume Lyra didn't beat that. No, she did not. (laughs) (laughs) Die. It is not mathematically possible for me to beat that. Natty 17. This has been smooth sailing for you guys. Durin, at this point, make me a knowledge nature if you have it. I do. Let's give that a shot. Still in the crow's nest? He's making mm-hmm. that? Okay. I was going to say, I could help. Uh, 14. The hair on your body starts to stand up. You're at the highest point in the ship. It's pretty easy for you, uh, even with a 14, to realize that uh, you're either going to get struck by lightning here or you're going to jump 50 feet down. How long do I got before that happens? This is the... The hair raises on your forearms. This is your opportunity to act, either jump or lightning. Hmm. Yeah, he smells that ozone. He sees the sky start to brighten up. I don't have... It sounds like if this has to happen this round... Can, do, well, do I have a, a round to act? Uh, essentially, you are, past this check, going to make a reflex save mm-hmm. for the lightning or an acrobatics check to see if you can reduce the fall damage. Yeah. Mm, my reflex yep. is really good. I've got you. But he doesn't know you have him. I know. That's the thing. I I don't don't know know you at all. He's got to jump. I I, I don't think I'm playing into this at all. In Pathfinder, reflex saves are for half, and he would rather jump and try and land on his feet than get blasted from the heavens. Sure. So here's an acrobatics check. Tulia sees you jump. She's going to cast Featherfall. Probably going to need it with a 13. Well, Featherfall, you're just going to float to the ground. Yeah, Featherfall is a react or is it's an immediate. immediate action. So, oh hell yeah! Yeah, that's yeah. Why, like I know you don't know me, yeah. but you get Featherfalled. However, because the lightning didn't strike you, and because you didn't get high enough on your nature check, uh, you did not think of the consequence that now the mast is on fire. <gasps> In the water. I'm not sure there's much I could have done about that anyway, but yes. If it struck you, uh, it would have... uh, Oh, I just could have taken one for the team. So the mask is on fire. How dare you. Now I need to know what everybody does. Because there are still reefs reefs in the water, and there is now a burning crow's nest. But she can create water at 80 feet away. I know it's raining. Would creating water help? How much can you create? 11 gallons? Is that how that works? Uh, 
two gallons of water per level, so 22 gallons of water. That would certainly help. Okay. Yeah, it's 50 feet up, so. So she can cast it that far away then at this level. Uh, so that's what, that is what Lyra's going to do. She has not been able to see out further to see any reefs, so she's going to spend her turn trying to douse the fire. Sure. Uh, yeah, that, that douses the crow's nest. Uh, it really just needed that, like, direct big burst of water. Um, I'll take perception checks. Uh, just know you no longer have the plus two from the crow's nest. Sure. But the crow's nest looks otherwise a-okay? A little charred, but fine. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you got up there, you might test it for structural stability. Durin lands on the ground. He looks back at Tulia, seemingly the only person who could have done what just happened, and gives her, like, a nod. I see you. Thank you. And then I, I would also like to use perception. I got 30. You you beat me for sure. Wow. Okay, 30. Can I, can I start making my way back up the rigging now, understanding that's going to take some time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Natural 20 on that sailing check. Oh, yeah, Woo. Anya. Good to go, even though, uh, even though you only had two rounds, so it was much harder to check. Uh, as you start climbing up, Tulia's just gonna yell, I didn't plan for another one of those. Stay up there. <laughs> Noted, I will do what I can. Okay. I'm gonna need one more perception check. All right. Can I be up in the crow's nest or am I halfway up or so now? You're up in the crow's nest. All right, cool. Oh, there we go. 18 on the die. 39. I got another 30. Oh, yeah. Less than that. <laughs> you are not surprised when this gargantuan lightning elemental lowers down from the clouds. Oh. And you know what? I want to see this party in action. So I think we should go a little bit long. Oh, I was really hoping we'd go long. Yeah, let's go. This crackling gargantuan elemental descends from the clouds and no one is surprised by it in its immensity. In fact, you're blinded by its electrical radiance. Uh, Not mechanically, don't worry. Uh, And I need you to roll for initiative. Hell yeah. I'm going to use a exploit point. And I'm gonna ca- I'm gonna roll this twice. Or not an exploit point, actually. A greater power, greater expense. Oh Seventeen. Julia. Got a twenty-five. What's your modifier? Five. No, I didn't get twenty-five. That's wrong. Twenty-three. I I I did math wrong. Lyra. Eight. And Durin. Natural twenty. Twenty-seven. Ooh. Dope. Maybe it's because of that great perception check, or maybe it's because he's not playing a mechanically gimped character for once, but uh, Steve and Durin are the first to act. <laughs> wow. God, it feels good. All right, so I still am playing a intelligence-based character. Oops, did I let that slip? Um, what knowledge do I have to roll? The Planes. clear alchemist is an alchemist. I don't know what you're talking about, Haley. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fucking 18 on the die. Uh, it, I mean, it's not going to touch a Matumbe, but damn close. That's a 33. 
33 gets you three questions. Special defenses. Let's start it off. Okay. This creature has damage reduction. It is immune to bleed, critical hits, electricity, flanking, paralysis, poison, precision damage, such as a sneak attack, sleep, stunning, and critical hits. It's also immune to bleed. Did I say those two already? I might have. I think so, but okay, that's cool. What's the DR? Uh, It is DR10 slash. Slashing or dash? Dash. Nothing can buy I don't love that. Besides a... An epic weapon? Yeah, let's not worry about that. We all got that. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Anybody wants a specific third question? What's the lowest save, if possible? Like, if you don't have anything else. I I don't, so I I think I feel pretty good about that. Let's get a lowest save, Griffin. Uh, It's will save. Okay. If only there was a witch. Yeah, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. So you've got this rain pelting, this this drow, his hair is, is blown back as he's standing up in the crow's nest. He's going to take a move action to uh, kind of get down on one knee as he's sizing up this opponent. Mechanically, what I'm doing is enacting a feat that I have called bullseye shot steadying his hand so that he gets a little bonus to the attack roll then as a swift action he's going to reach onto his bandolier and pull off a little alchemical thing called an alchemist's fire and he's going to clip that onto an arrow then Durinrook loads that arrow onto his bow and also grabs another little clay pot he shakes that really hard and you can start to see this foaming start to come out of this little spout on top of it he clips that onto his arrow as well and then then we'll get to the next six seconds right oh no because (laughs) i haven't fired yet he clips on an alchemist fire he clips on a bomb he pulls back the string of this bow and if you could hear it over the sounds of the pounding rain and the thunder. It sounds like my favorite sound in cinematic history. He has this giant, like, orc horn bow that he's using. It sounds like Lurtz's bow from Fellowship of the Ring. It's just a very cool sound. And he's going to take a shot at this creature. Oh, I don't know. Uh, A three on the die, that's going to be a dirty 20. Yeah, it doesn't hit. Even... Uh, even without the negative impact of the wind. Damn. Okay. Well, that is a shame. His loaded up arrow flies off into the surf and kind of, you see a, a boom underwater as there's an explosion below this thing. But he calls out that in the, that knowledge to the people below him of the things that he learned and he readies up another shot for next round. So right now, just so everybody is aware, if you are using a ranged weapon, it is minus two because it is strong winds. So I just want to put that out there so we can factor that in. It hasn't yet reached the severe or windstorm that you think it might reach as we approach. Do you want us to take that out before we tell you take our Take that out before you tell me your total if you're going to use a ranged attack. 
uh, this creature sees Durin first as it's coming out of the clouds, and it is frustrated that its lightning bolt didn't hit. Oh, that came from a, a creature, person. not the clouds. Uh, it's going to use a flyby attack. Nice. And it has a hundred foot perfect fly speed. So it gets up within 20 feet of Durin, reaches out a electric, electrically charged fist and tries to punch him. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I disagree, but sure. <laughs> I'm going to turn power attack on and fly by attack. When flying, a creature can take a move action and another standard action at any point during the move. The creature cannot take a second move action during a round when it makes a flyby attack. So a flyby attack does not modify the attack trait of a standard action attack. And so by my reading, unlike spring attack, which modifies because it's a full round attack, uh, you can use vital strike with it. And so I'm going to power attack and vital strike. Oh, boy. 36 to hit. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Okay, so here's what happens. This electricity surges through Durin. Uh, Do you want me to list the electricity damage separate? I don't think that's going to be necessary now. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to buff for this encounter. (laughs) That is 50 total damage. Oh! And then it flies back to its original position and kind of crackles. Actually, it doesn't fly to its original position. It kind of descends now. So it, it hits you on its way, swooping down, and it is now level with the deck of the ship. But 40, or not 40, like 20 feet off of the of the starboard side. Um, Tulia, Lyra, Ikma, hit it hard. Tulia, you're up. Julia, it's a couple options here. Unfortunately, she did prep some lightning spells, <laughs> which clearly is not going to help. Immune to that. Yeah, she's going to cast a spell which will require no uh, check. I just need to do a touch attack. Range touch attack. Yep, range touch attack. Uh, only a 22. 22 does hit your target's touch AC. That is great. And as that happens, uh, Tulia braces herself, puts one of her hands out, and you guys see a blast of unholy hellfire come and uh, hit this this thing, this lightning air elemental. So... Let's see how much damage. Uh, 32 points of fire and pure unholy damage. Well, that sounds like it all goes through. Yes, it should. And then that is her turn. I don't think I've got anything else. Next in the order is Ikmer. Ikmer, you see this thing off, off the side of the ship just kind of huge and menacing 
So this elemental has swooped down, is now at deck level. Ikmer kind of is, is picturing this thing making another attack, another flyby attack. And with that, he is going to uh, take a five-foot step closer to Lyra and ready in action to attack it if it uh, flies by, but he would uh, use his bodyguard ability on Lyra if uh, it decides to attack her. Okay. Lyra, it is your turn. Just a point of order. So because we were not surprised by this, are we like fully ready for battle or still need to draw? Uh, I'd say you're plenty ready now okay. that it's uh, you know come down from the clouds we kind of hand waved it coming down from the clouds so alright in that case then Lyra right you didn't draw your bow I, I used it right but you didn't draw it as an action okay no. perfect I just wanted to make sure I wasn't taking too many actions here Lyra starts singing an inspiring song for everyone uh, and now at her level, that inspiring song is a move action. And she, as her standard action, starts casting a spell to summon summon Monster 5, but she's attempting to summon Monster 4 to get additional creatures. But uh, she has to wait until her next turn she's using her rod of giant summoning and she is also pulling out she has a few harrow cards that she's using as she casts the spell as well casting a harrowed summoning what's the inspire courage what's the plus on it's that plus two plus, plus two, two. Yes. Nope. Uh, but that's all that happens for right now. The creature won't appear until her next turn. Okay. It's Durin's turn back at the top of the order. All right. Do you want to play dirty? I can play dirty. Um, he's going to, again, reach into his his bandolier and pull out what looks like a syringe. And he's going to jam it directly into his arm and push the plunger down really quickly. Mechanically, what this is is his mutagen, but he did take a special discovery, so when he jams that mutagen into his arm, Durin disappears. Ooh, okay. And I don't believe there's anything else productive I can do on my turn. So that, that'll be his turn. Sounds good. This creature is going to move to be 20 feet in front of Ikmer to get Ikmer in his reach and and he is mechanically charging at you I'm going concerning. to attempt a bull rush with an ability called spark leap you're wearing metal armor gets a plus 10 on its bull rush <laughs> um, oh no am I wearing metal armor Mithros metal, I think. Yes. Yeah. 
Is Celestial is like a, is a type of mithril. Unless you're wearing stone plate, your plate is metal. Silver. So that's metal. All right. That is a 55 to bull yeah. rush. So what is your CMD? 31. 31. So that's going to push you 20 feet back. Uh -huh. It will also push Lyra. So does she Lyra, I'm gonna, I roll a check against your CMD as well. Just like we did with the uh, the other guy to see how far you go. So if you go less far, then Ipmer goes less far. Ooh, boy. However, with a 47, I imagine oh. that mm. beats it by just as much. Uh, yeah, it's a 21. Yeah, so Lyra flies over the side. Ikmer, you are standing there. Lyra, make me a reflex save. Now, would my ready to action... Uh, it is 20 feet away from you. Right, so, so uh, I don't think I would be able to no, even reach it, it when mean, that happens. The issue, yeah, the issue for that is you would have to... You, You'd have to have it like move right next to you for whatever reason, and it's got a big reach because it's a gargantuan creature. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Now, unless you have that, there there is a feat to like hit arms as they come at you and that kind of thing, but I don't think you took that. That is a nineteen reflex save. With a nineteen, I need Ikmer to make one. You miss the, the banister. Okay. Reflex? Yes. 23. But Ikmer grabs your hand as you fall. Ooh, thank you. And so you are hanging over the edge <laughs> of the backbreaker. I said I'd always catch you, Lyra. I think I said that. <laughs> and did you drop your uh, sword or your shield to do that? I think that's a valid question. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yep, so uh, Ikmer uh, offers out his uh, sword to Lyra as she grabs <laughs> She it. grabs the sword. Uh, Slices her hand uh, falls she, in. Yeah, she has bleed now. She, she loses five fingers. <laughs> so I assume sword. Yeah. Okay. Yep, and it, it drops it on, on the ground, the waves are crashing, uh, nobody even if they could try or were, were looking for it couldn't quite grab it because it's just, the sh ship is rocking so much Tulia, it's your turn Tulia's gonna spend a point of her arcane reservoir She's going to increase the DC of the following spell by two. And I need a reflex save. Would you cast defensively for me? Oh. Um, yes, I will. There is nowhere you can move that will be out I, of this I, creature's I reach. have a plus 25 versus a DC 21. Okay, that'll be fine. You need a reflex save? Yeah. <laughs> That's... Uh, 28. Okay, yep. So you're um, going to take half damage, but still... I cast fireball. Oh, I missed one. 
23 points of damage. That's halved? Yes. Because I, I rolled 40, I rolled 47. I rolled very well. And that's my fireball. And then also, um, can I need to move out of the freaking way? Okay. If you move regularly, you're going to take an attack of opportunity. I'm aware. I'm just going to uh, start by taking a, a five foot sideways. It steps up. That's shitty. Because this is a fighter creature. No. Mm. Seems like bullshit. It's a fun little template to throw on a like elder air, elder lightning elemental. Ikmer. Man, if I would have known that. I Drop Lyra. Pick up your sword. End of your turn. <laughs> and total defense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could you could certainly uh, pull. Lyra up with a, I mean, what's your strength looking like, bud? 22. So oh, yeah, uh, easy. Yeah. Yeah, you could yank Lyra up with a standard action. I'm not going to make you roll for that. And then you could move action, pick up your sword. He waits uh, patiently for the, the timing to be just right and rushes over and picks it up. Not moving canonically. Yes. Lyra, you are back on the deck. Uh, but that bull rush attempt just completely uh, eliminated my spell because it was successful. Certainly did. Oh, I, I did I did forget that you each will take damage for that. Sorry. Oh. Because you ran into each other. Uh, you're each going to take seven points of damage. Well, it looks like less for it. Uh, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that would disrupt the spell entirely. I'm just trying to, like, it, the rules are normally what, like, concentration check plus the damage dealt. So, if you are casting a spell and you take damage from either a successful attack targeted that targeted your AC or from an effect that you failed a saving throw against, the spell fails. So, I didn't get to make a saving. Th- Row, but the bull rush was successful, and then she took damage. But yeah. it wasn't targeting my AC. I think it it certainly still applies there. Oh, didn't you have to make a reflex save? Yeah, you had to make a reflex save. So that's your save. But I thought I was successful on the reflex save. You failed, and I let. Oh, okay. Is <laughs> it DC twenty? The but reflex it, save uh, was to again, grab the again, side. Again, again, grab the that, side. That, that's okay. murky area too, because that's not a reflex save caused by like that's not like me casting fireball on you and you failing the reflex save, right? Yeah, but I mean, she flew off the side of the boat. That seems very disruptive. Yes. Uh, so she continues singing. That's easy to do. Mm-hmm. And she is not going to go for another long cast, but she knows that this creature did not have spell resistance and its weakest save is a will save. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it within 50 feet of her right now? Yes, it is. Easily. Perfect. If you guys want to think about it for reference, like the deck of the ship is about 30 feet wide. And it's like on the so, deck. Yeah, right and now. it's like right on the edge of the deck. All right. Will save? Yes, you need to make a will save as Lyra casts Shadow Trap. Uh oh. Okay, well, uh, 26. Oh, that succeeds. Uh, so nothing happens then. Okay. Yeah, 
I like to think of this as like it's so stormy it's hard to even see the shadow from this thing. Mm, it's like mm-hmm. emitting light and it's just casting away the shadows from its body. It's Durin's turn and he's invisible. So I, I don't know where you moved, but or if you moved from the crow's well, nest. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> he didn't. Uh, Durin is still up in the crow's nest. He is going to take a, t- a turn that is very similar. In fact, basically identical to the first turn that I took this combat where he's going to steady his shot with bullseye shot, and he's going to clip a alchemist fire onto his arrow. Then he's going to clip a bomb onto his arrow. He's going to pull back the the string of the orc hornbow that he wields. You Love hear that hornbow. creaking as he pulls it back, just like Lurtz in Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, best sound ever. It's weird to be uh, standoffish about orcs at the beginning <laughs> using an orc hornbow. Well, he took it off his foes. I uh, say, you don't know how he got that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Haley knows what's up. Yep. Um, so he is going to take a shot at this creature. Being invisible means I get a plus two to hit it, which should negate the minus two for yep. mm-hmm. the waves. It should also... Make it flat-footed? Yes. Yes. I mean, low... But that's going to be a 23 against this flat-footed creature. That'll do. Fuck, yes! Okay, so what are we going to see? First of all, we've got 14 points of piercing damage from the orc hornbow. I know we have some DR that's going to get taken out of there. Four points of damage. Then the bomb explodes. When the bomb explodes, we're looking at an additional 20 points of fire damage. Nice. Then the alchemist fire explodes. We're gonna take four points of fire damage. 28 total damage with my DR taken out. Sounds like it, 14, four, and 20. Yes, I think so. And having... I should take burn next round, right? Only if I took the explosive bomb discovery, which I did. (laughs) So yes, actually you do take two sources of burn from the alchemist fire and the The bomb. The bomb, yes. So I believe those are resolved at the end of your turn. Does, uh, do you deal splash damage with this or no? This is like a weird alchemist territory that I, I... Right, so with my archetype, which I'm not gonna reveal, I don't do splash damage with the alchemist fire. However, I do do uh, splash damage with the bomb Bomb. itself. So you should be dealing splash damage to any creature that is bigger than medium. Yep. Uh, So you do one splash. So so my splash damage is 13. 13, okay. And I get a reflex save to half splash damage. Correct. All right, that was a uh, 35. Come on. Yes. It's his best save. Yes. <laughs> no surprise here. Uh, so six. Six. Six, point, six more points of fire damage. You're telling me that something made of lightning is fast? Wow. <laughs> Gotta go fast. It's uh, weird, though, because he's also a giant creature. So, like, his his reflex should be terrible, but, yeah, but it's not for this made creature. Made of lightning. Right. Uh, it is this creature's turn, then. And Tulia has been dealing the most damage to it. So oh, it is... I, I'm, I'm sorry. I do want to mention as well, you see this bolt come flying down, hits the creature, explodes. There's all kinds of crazy fire damage. You still don't see Durin. Oh, great. He's still in the... Oh, actually not quite. Uh, alchemist bullshit. Wait, I have not revealed the class yet. Dude, everyone knew since the <laughs> bandolier of Miles. <laughs> yeah, he's still invisible. Okay, does a 20, or no, sorry, uh, 31 hit? Yeah. And they both hit. 
Griffin, the number you're looking for is a 20. Ooh, this is going to be really painful because I can't miss you except on a 1. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I don't have tons of health. Wow, this might kill you. Uh, 81 points of damage. Oh, it doesn't. Never know with these uh, these wizards. Understandable, yeah. Uh, and then it takes a five-foot fly towards you. And to be clear, it didn't take a full-round action to extinguish the flames? No, it absolutely did not. All right, cool, because then here's some fire damage, baby. Eight points of fire. Okay. Uh, now the fire is out, I assume. The fire is out from the alchemist's fire. The explosive bomb discovery seems to keep burning until you actually take the time to turn it off. However, what it does say is dousing the target with at least two gallons of water automatically extinguishes the flames. Yeah, so so maybe right now it's, turn. yeah, because yeah. it's like we're in a storm. For I think, sure. I, I think that's totally fair. All right, so then it, it's gonna move five feet towards Tulia. Yep, okay. And it's Tulia's turn. Tulia has a pretty, pretty crippling shot from this thing and it has given you nowhere to run. Is there any way for me to knowledge to see like how it's looking or no? Not really. I mean, a, a heal check's not going to give you the state of this creature. It's just, it's made of, a, it's just a giant like ball of electricity that is forming fish shaped punches at you. <laughs> it honestly looks like if like 10 bolts of lightning struck at once and created like this big ball. That's what it, uh, that's what it appears to be at the edge of the ship. Okay, so I am going to use my move action to spend a point of my arcane reservoir to dimensional slide, which does not provoke any attacks of opportunity. Uh, I want to move to one end of the boat. I mean, I guess that end. How far can you go? 110 feet. So I'm not exactly worried. Okay. But I want to make sure I still have a really good line. Notice of sight. the part of the boat that you're going to is 20 feet up. That's fine. Or 15. See where it says main deck plus 15 on the map? I believe that's the aft. I do see that. That's okay. No big deal. Um, and then I am going to not use a second point of Arcane Reservoir to cast a spell with an increased DC. Now that I'm far away, I don't need to make a cast defensively check. I just need a fortitude save from you. Okay. How is a 27? Oh, that succeeds by one. Ah. That makes me so mad. Okay. So you're only partially effective. This makes me so freaking mad. Well, that's a pretty good DC, though, for a level 11 character, 26. Yeah, that's not I, bad. I used the yeah. thing to increase my DC. That's pretty good. Yeah. I picked the wizard archetype that does all the good things of an archonist, but doesn't leave any of the good things of a wizard. Are you going to be fucking butthurt about this the whole time? No, I'm just going to kill you next round. Anyways. Five D6 of damage is all you'll get because... I, you succeeded on that save. Type of damage. Hang on. So it's 17 points of damage, and it's, uh, this was from the spell Disintegrate. So a thin green race, it doesn't say what type of damage. Disintegration damage. 
I don't know. So how much? 17. I think it's pure energy. It might be. All right, Ikmer. You just pulled your friend from the edge, got your bearings. Yeah, and, yep. and, and buddy, we need we need you to do some damage. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, hey, come on, Brooks. Where you at? Ikmer, uh, catching Lyra as, as she was uh, flo- flung off the the edge, uh, using the momentum uh, to carry himself into a charge into this uh, this creature definitely incurring uh, an attack of opportunity. Well, we'll see if I can even hit. Remember, you're at a minus two. Yep. You can try. Oof, that's... <laughs> ah, 33? No. No? Jesus oh, yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> right, isn't your AC 35? Higher than that? Oh yeah, it's higher than that now. Uh, however, you are wearing metal. I am. So it actually is a 35. No. <laughs> 35 <laughs> doesn't hit your two? charging AC. Your AC is higher than 37. 40 without the charge. <laughs> wow. Armor master lycanthrope. There you go. That's where we're wow. at. Yeah, so that's an AC of 38. Didn't quite get that one. Try not to roll I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat those uh, words. <laughs> try, try not to roll any more sixes, man. It's unlikely. Um, he he can't quite see this thing uh, with all the f- flashing going on. It's almost like a strobe effect. Twenty-seven hit. Twenty-seven does hit. It's not much. Thirteen points points of damage. Feels a lot more like three to me. Unless it's uh, evil, but nope. That's right. Now he now he's up next to it. Uh, yeah, good stuff. You're up next to it, Lyra. You're up. Hopefully, it attacks you. All right. Yes, please. Lyra keeps singing. It's going to move off to the side, not directly on the edge of the boat, and she starts casting a spell again. Okay. Starts as in doesn't finish until later. Yes. Okay. Uh, Durin. All right, Durin is still up in the crow's nest. However, he is still invisible. What happens, not that anybody in this actual combat would see this, is that he has this really cool looking, like I like I mentioned earlier, army jacket, but it has these seams up the back and these two, I guess invisible, except to our listening audience, wings burst out from his back. They're, they're, they're flavored as bat wings. And he flies up and around, getting a bead on this creature. But now he is no longer in the crow's nest. He draws back the string of his bow directly at this creature. And that is my turn. Okay. The creature is going to... It's going to move back 20 feet using acrobatics to avoid an attack of opportunity. In the 50s, I assume beats your CMD. It's going to grapple Ikmer from range. That is a 57. All right. You're next to it. It drops you. 
Oh, uh, into the water. Into the ocean. That's okay. And then it's going to move next to Tulia because it has flyby attack. So move back. Uh-huh. Use the standard action to grab. Free action release. Uh-huh. And then a move action to move. Okay, I thought you were saying it was going to fly by Tulia. I was like, you <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's not that. attacking you again. That's so much this uh, turn. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stay like 10 feet from Tulia, just so it's got like her anywhere she wants to move, but um, isn't so close that she could punch it if she wanted to. Not that she would. Tulia, you're up. Your friend has just gone in. Well, your new friend has just gone into the drink. Probably the worst one of you to go in there because he is covered in heavy armor. I will also say, based off our party composition, there has been more movements on the board than we've had in probably the last five HLP combats combined. Everyone is all over the place. That lightning, uh, it's got us. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to dimensional slide again back over this direction to the other side of the boat. Why not? I love uh, that this thing has enough movement to just follow your dimensional slide. I don't love that. I'm gonna swift action because of my grasping cloak. Pull out a potion of sanctuary and drink that. Okay. Because I need to protect myself. Ikmer, you are in the water. Make me a swim check. Unless you have a swim speed for whatever reason. No, I don't I don't have a swim speed. Now I do have a plus ten to swim. Okay. With a seventeen on the die. You managed to stay above water. Yes, I would like to uh, find the nearest uh, rope ladder. Uh the ship is moving much faster than you. So you going over the ship, like see where you are? You're now, like, 45 feet that way. So you're seeing the back of the ship. I would like to hang on to the back so of the you ship. So uh, you can now swim at half your normal speed and attempt to grab something on the ship. You're lucky the ship's very long. I am. Would 15 feet get you to the side of the ship? He's, like, right off the edge of the ship where the creature was. Well, if it's 15 feet, then I'd be fine if I'm moving half my speed. Okay. Uh, The other thing I forgot to note is that you did fall 80 feet, because that's how high the ship is. So you ignore the first 20 feet, and then the next two, the next 20 feet are non-lethal. So you take uh, five points of non-lethal, and then you're going to take 46 of actual lethal damage. Uh nine points of lethal damage. Doesn't feel like much. Doesn't feel like anything. I figured with your DR it wouldn't be a lot, but the non-lethal should still chunk through. Yes. So with a 15-foot move speed, uh, because he is wearing the celestial armor, he still gets his move bonus, and with uh, armor master, I am not hindered by wearing heavy armor. Heavy armor. So that is fantastic. Now, uh, what exactly would I, can I like hold onto the rudder 
back there. Uh, that's the only thing. I can, maybe the, like I don't know if the anchor is still. Uh, pretty much, you're you're holding on to the rudder for dear life right now. But yes, you can you can grab it with that amount of speed. And now you're just kind of dragging. It's gonna call out to I guess whoever uh, is is listening up there and says uh, says that he's hanging onto the rudder and probably can't I can't keep up with the speed and so you know great we're in the middle of a storm and you're in the water so you will just will just turn the fucking wheel real hard and crush you (laughs) but principles my ass alright Lyra something happens right yes something happens so on her turn there are some creatures that are, or hopefully creatures, that are going to appear. So I'm going to roll, it's a d3, so I'm going to do high, medium, low. I rolled high! So, three hound acrons appear right around the elemental. Yay! Fuck yeah! And these are no normal hound acrons. They are giant template so they are large creatures and even still these like amphipomorphic dog creatures look different as well in part of Lyra's casting of this she added tarot cards as components so one was the trumpet which matches the alignment of these creatures so the duration is doubled and uh, it gets a plus four enhancement bonus to Khan because this is a shield. So this, these Akrons have uh, a trumpet strung across their breast. And I also drew the Wanderer. So they also have some additional travel gear and uh, look like you can almost see brush strokes, like these are painted creatures. And they are all wielding masterwork longswords. Okay, uh, they can act. All right. Nice. So, can they full attack? Yes, they have a hell a yeah full action. All right, so uh, these also give off an aura, which is similar to Freya's, but I think it's just like an aura constant. Good. Yes, so um, they're with it's within twenty feet. So I need a will save. Okay. Uh, is this different for different alignments, or is it just a? So it's an aura of menace. <laughs> okay. 21. That succeeds. So nothing happens and it is now immune. Is it, some is it like oh it's immune from from the ability now. Or in general? Uh several times. It's the same. So actually yeah, I think it would be it has to roll for each one cuz it's not the ability as a whole since right, I have natural 3. 20. Glad I didn't use that on you. Uh yeah, saves on all 3. Dang all right. It. Uh, tried. They are all going to attack, and they each get two attacks. Nice. Come on. All right, here we go. Summoner focus. Let's see why Lyra's not in the party anymore. All right, so that is only a 20 and an 18. Nope, nope. Oh, my gosh, that's not going to hit. See if I can roll halfway decent. Ooh, okay, a, oh geez, 
at the lower attack, only a 20... Oh! Would these be affected by... These would be affected by Lyra's singing. Oh, yep. So that would be a 24. Nope. Darn it. All right. Durin. Okay. It's okay. Oh. They're meat shields. All right. Durin is now flying with his bat wings over the backbreaker. I've got crazy fly. I can 100% make this hover check even with crazy winds and all of that stuff. He's still invisible. So you, you have a just don't have to roll on a DC 25. It's a DC 15 for hover and it's increased by strong winds by 10, I thought. I, I might have to roll for that, actually. Let me double check my strong winds. High wind speeds, flying in high winds, and penalties. DC 20 fly check to move at all, so long as the wind persists. 25 to be blown back. Means airborne. I, I mean, truly, I can roll, but even if I get moved around, it's not like I'm not going to hit you. Or not, not be in a... In a in a position yeah, you just to, have to roll to hover, otherwise you drop. Yeah, I got a 17 on the dime fine. Okay. So he begins to take his turn. What he does is do that studied shot again to give him a little bit of a bonus to hit. This time he's going to change it up a little bit on the swift action. Instead of adding a alchemist fire, I don't think I heard that this creature was immune to effects that could sicken it. You should be good. Yep. Okay. So he is going to clip on a vial of material that looks like it is full of actual shit. It's called a dung grenade. Gross. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Or Yep. And then he is going to use his same clip a bomb onto the arrow and take a shot. Let's see how we do. All right, it's a seven on the die, which isn't insanely high, but he is still invisible. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a 27 with no dex. That hits. All right, when he does, we're gonna get 19 points of regular damage. DR's coming out of that. Mm -hmm. Then his bomb damage is going to be 30 points of fire. What's it look like? So his wings are flapping. This rain is pelting him. He tries to keep still. He clips these two different explosive charges onto an, his arrow, and he points at this creature, draws back, and he lets loose. This this thing impales into the lightning elemental. I don't know how many people out there have played Gears of War, but there is a weapon in Gears of War called the Torque Bow, and basically you have this giant bow that when it, it impales in someone and you get a little bit of damage and then you're able to run for two or three seconds with this like blinking arrow on you, but then it explodes. So you have this moment where you think like you're safe or you just know, oh fuck, this thing is going off. And when it does, it just fucking gibbs you. So this thing lands into this thing, it explodes, there's fire, there is a fountains of shit, I guess, with this dung grenade, and maybe the lightning abates a little bit. In fact, it doesn't. It seems Ugh. the storm that you're heading into is getting worse. But the lightning elemental is gone, and I need you to finish your drinks, because we'll see you next week. Oh, I knew oh, it. Oh, what an episode. Great. 
Hideous Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Carrying Crown is copyright 2011. Carrying Crown and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. Paizo, Pathfinder, their respective logos, and all Paizo titles, characters, and artwork are properties of Paizo, Inc. and used with permission.